Hello, this is Robert Barge. Welcome to Redemption's Table, where every week we will gather around this table with a special guest to explore the most appetizing ingredient in this menu called life, redemption. I believe in redemption. I believe everybody hungers for redemption, everybody. And the truth is, redemption is all around us every day. It is a recipe that God the Creator sets before us every single moment of our lives. Unfortunately, so much emphasis is placed upon the bad, many have difficulty seeing, experiencing, and tasting the good. So I'm setting out on a journey, going table to conversation, to accentuate the reality of redemption in the lives of everyday people like you and me. A reality that, I believe, finds its ultimate expression in Jesus of Nazareth, who is the not-so-secret ingredient to the redemption we all seek. So, come hungry, join the meal, because Party of Redemption, your table is now ready. Welcome to Redemption's Table. Here we are in the month of November, the month of gratitude and thanksgiving. I am grateful that you have tuned in to today's podcast. When I was growing up, there was a plaque above our kitchen table It read this way. It said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. I later learned that that little saying was written by a man by the name of C.T. Studd. And I have a feeling that today's podcast guest, Dr. Jay Wolf, would appreciate that saying, would identify with that saying, because Jay describes himself as a kingdom entrepreneur. I absolutely love that, a kingdom entrepreneur. When Jay is not verbally sharing Jesus, he is creatively contemplating an abundance of additional ways to tell even more people about Jesus. His is the ongoing endeavor of eternal entrepreneurship. Jay has served as pastor of the First Baptist Church of Montgomery, Alabama since 1991. I stepped into his study last week, and I will have to say this conversation had all the feeling that builds up inside of you when you sit down to that very first fireplace of autumn. Can't wait to get there. It's warm, it's inviting, and there's something about it. It's just absolutely refreshing, and that's how this conversation went. I learned from it, I I grew from it, and I think you're going to be wowed by what you hear. I just uh, encourage you to pull you up a rocking chair right now and just get into this conversation and see what happens with it in your life. Let's get started. Thank you for being here. Here we go. Well, welcome to Redemption's Table. I'm sitting here with uh, Jay Wolf, pastor of First Baptist Church, Montgomery, Alabama. Welcome to the table, Jay. Thank you, Robert. Pleasure to join you. Glad, glad to be with you. I'm excited about this. When God first downloaded this idea upon my heart to do a podcast, immediately I started wondering, who in the world can I invite to this podcast? And when I made a very short list, I think there were 10 or 11 names on on that original list, you were name number four. So Mm -hmm. I'm glad to be able to sit down with you and talk. Well, it's a blessing to me to join you at Redemption's Table. Yeah, thank you for being here. Uh, I want to begin with this, your journey of following Jesus. Where did it all begin? I grew up in Georgetown, Texas. I was born in 1954. 
My dad was a rancher. Uh, he was very successful. I was in the middle of five kids. Uh, I had a wonderful growing up season. By the time I was four, I had a horse and we had a thousand acre backyard on the San Gabriel River, uh, just north of Austin. Um, we were a very secular driven family. It was about the things of the world. And then something interesting happened. When I was 13 years old, uh, my father had an uncle, my great uncle named William Wolf, who died in Johnson City, Texas. So we went to his funeral and in my short life experience of 13 years, I, I'd been to a couple of funerals for my grandparents, but they didn't register on me. Mm -hmm. So I go to this funeral for William Wolf, and I'm at this small, dark funeral home in Johnson City, Texas. And suddenly this question hits me, what happens when people die? Mm. And then it became internalized, it was personalized. I thought, what would happen if I died? I guess psychologists say that until you're in your teens, you really cannot conceptualize your own mortality, your own death. And in that moment, it crystallized for me. I was thinking, what would happen if my body was lying in that funeral box? And it frightened me. So I went home and, and I thought to myself, I didn't really uh, pose these questions to my parents about death. They were not real spiritually oriented people, good people. But I had a teacher. Mm -hmm. And this teacher had the glow of God mm -hmm. on her life. It looked like she had swallowed a light bulb. And <laughs> she glowed for God. And so I asked her, what do you think happens when people die? And she said, Jay, if you know Jesus in a real way, in a personal way, you will be with him forever. And I said, how do you know that's true? And she suggested that I read the Bible. So I'd had a Bible that I'd gotten from the First Baptist Church of Georgetown, Texas, I was with her son. Um, so I opened the Bible, I loved to read, but I'd never read the world's most famous book. So I plunged into reading God's Word. I started in the book of Genesis, and I read through, and on a parallel track, I started going to church, wanting to go to church. Mm -hmm. And between God's Word and God's people, everything began to clarify. Uh, I understood that I was made in God's image. I had a plan and a purpose that God had put upon my life. I read the story of Jesus. I was confronted by John three sixteen, that God loved me so much that He would give His Son. And if I would follow Him, I don't have to perish. I don't have to die and go to hell. Mm -hmm. But I can have eternal life. What a simple message. What a glorious opportunity. Uh, so I read about the miracles, the message of Jesus, His uh, horrible death on the cross. It was so unfair, and yet there was this fabulous redemptive end. He was resurrected on Easter, and then He invites people to follow Him. So I took Him up on it. Yeah. One night, uh, just a weeknight, again, my life wasn't in some sort of bind. I, I was not being harassed by the problems of life. Just a very simple, reasonable, compelling, propelling faith just motivated me to give my life to Jesus. And so I said, Jesus, you're real. You're not a myth. You're not a mind game. Would you come into my life? And in that moment, it was as if I, I just knew that the Lord's Spirit had moved into my spirit. Some of that uh, foreboding about death began to evaporate, uh, and I knew that I had been born again. So I started living for the Lord. By the time I was 16, I knew I was to be a pastor. I surrendered on the altar of the Lord, uh, my future, my vocation, and uh, I'm 65, and that has been just like a, an arrow, just never varying on the target uh, to serve to, to serve the Lord with my very best, with my whole life, and that, that's what I do. I, wow. I try to 
to share Jesus with my world. I, I try to help. If you wanted to boil it down, my job is to help people follow Jesus. I noticed John 3.16 is on the church sign there. Uh, that verse is important, a huge you know, verse. Uh, it's the heart of it. Heart of it, yeah. Um, if I were not speaking somewhere every Sunday, uh, I would I would come to your church. We would let uh, you. Yeah. I, uh, you know, occasionally I will visit on Sunday evenings. And one of the things that I notice, and back up before we jump into that, you have been pastor here since January 1st of 1991. Is that right? Well, actually, not January 1st, but I came, it was July 1st. July 1st. Uh, but okay. I was here as the associate pastor from 1981 to 84. I did not know that. Out of New Orleans Seminary. I came out of, I went to Baylor University, the New Orleans Seminary, and then came here as the associate pastor because this church has a very unique program. In 1965, First Baptist of Montgomery started an associate pastor program using guys coming out of seminary. Wow. And the thought would be, uh, is, instead of going to uh, maybe a church where you would have a negative experience or a positive experience, maybe you'd get beat up, maybe you'd get built up, who knows, yeah. uh, come here to a very viable a church and be coached almost like if you were going to be a doctor you would do an internship mm -hmm. before you start cutting on people as a surgeon you may want to watch a good surgeon operate so I came here to work with uh, Dale Huff uh, one of the most skilled ministers in America fabulous Jesus man brilliant of mind skilled of hand and heart and got to work with him for three years wow. from 81 to 84 so I, I come here and I preached on Sunday night I did all the ministry things a fabulous church wonderful setting uh, and then that equipped me uh, because this church had been doing that since 1965, so 20 years worth. It was known in church circles that whoever was here was generally a strong future pastor. Uh, but I got to go to the First Baptist Church of Alexandria, Virginia in 1984. At age 29, I was the youngest pastor they'd ever had since 1802. Wow. So it, it uniquely prepared me to do ministry at a higher level. Uh, although the church, you know, in Metro D.C., Alexandria, is a, a fabulous area, um, the church had declined from running 1,200 to 300. So they had just plummeted down to the bottom and were at a very um, dangerous level. You know, churches have a point of viability, mm -hmm. and you can sink below that point of viability and not even know it, and you can disappear into the hole of irrelevance, and, and, and you can't attract children, uh, families won't come because you don't have anything for their youth. Uh, but they, I was kind of like the last uh, ditch effort, <laughs> and, and it worked out. I went there, and the Lord brought a revival. We wow. had um, just a an incredible Holy Spirit-fueled revival. Uh, had thousands of people join our church, actually. One year, 450 people joined in one year. Wow. And uh, just a huge turnaround all the way around. I'm blown away by the that kind of mindset or what the church, First Baptist Montgomery, had in play there. More churches would do that. Oh, it's they phenomenal. need to, Robert. It would be, it's so simple. I mean, if you're going to be a plumber, you have an apprenticeship. Mm -hmm. In so many realms of vocation, you have an apprenticeship. Mm -hmm. But very few, precious few in the world of ministry. Uh, so this church is very much a, a teaching center. Uh, on any given summer, we'll have 12 interns and their work all across the board. Uh, I've had four pastoral interns, actually more than that. I've, in a way, I've got two right now. Uh, but uh, we're a teaching church. You know, we want to be like that church at Antioch, mm -hmm. always a sending church. But before you send, you've got to prepare. Wow. And so we do a lot of ministry preparation. And the Lord has blessed us to just see a, a stream of 
ministry-driven people come out of this church are saying is bring them in, that's evangelism, build them up, and then send them out. Bring them in. We help people come to Christ and follow Jesus. And then you continue your fellowship as you're built up, as you understand the spiritual basics of being a, a student of God's living word, of being a prayer warrior, learning the importance of the body of Christ and being an integral part of fellowship. To be a servant, to be a witness, these spiritual basics are woven into a discipleship. To be a steward of who you are and your time, talent, treasure. And then we send people out to do ministry and mission. Sometimes it's in the nursery or the nursing home. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's to the nations. But we have seen a flow, a flood of people actually go out into vocational ministry. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things I've noticed about your church, how missional First Baptist Church Montgomery is. We're on the, the way in church. Y'all are the what? The Antioch. Antioch Church, church yes. And yeah, when I walked in the door this morning, one of your members was coming for senior adult choir. And I just struck up a conversation with him and I just said, How many mission trips have you gone on? I was hoping to get an answer, you know, more than zero. <laughs> and he said, I've been on two. I've been to uh, Austria, I believe he said, and, and another place there, the Czech Republic. Mm. And so I was like, wow. And that's one of the things I've noticed when I've worshipped with you is, wow, you're always going, always sending. That's phenomenal. Have you seen that grow in your time here? Uh, yes. Uh, this church had a great history of writing checks. Uh, the Lord has allowed our church to attract people who have some extra financial earthly resources. Mm -hmm. and so we were always good about writing a check for uh, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering to International Missions or the Annie Armstrong offering to North American Missions. Always wrote larger checks. Uh, and, and the Lord put it on my heart. Um, if you're going to be a doer of the Word, James 1.22, and a practitioner of the Great Commission, it's not enough just to write a check. You, you've got to go. You've got to back it up with your life. Uh, so we started a program. I've got this guy, Harold Hancock, who had been an IMB missionary for nine years in Korea, and he was serving as our senior adult minister. And I said, Harold, why don't you shift over and do? let's start doing our broadcast ministry at a higher level. We had had a television ministry since 1957, one of the oldest mm. in the country. And uh, he shifted over to telemissions. So we started saying our broadcast is missions. So let's make it telemissions. And then you help us to get uh, systems set into place to start to reach not only our Jerusalem, like X18 mm -hmm. prescribes, but then f further out, our Judean Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. Uh, so, like I'll give you one example. I think two years ago we had a peak. We sent beyond Montgomery 860 people. Wow. And internationally, 270. Wow. Uh, one week we had uh, people on all five continents one uh, summer, um, and, and it's amazing. We have this massive ministry in Haiti. I think we've sent over 300 teams to Haiti, and it's more than just our church, but uh, we've developed an orphanage there. We're feeding uh, 1,200 kids and educating 1,200 kids every day in Haiti. Wow. Uh, but we've seen 4,000 people come to Christ. It's all linked to Haitian churches. We have a Haitian clinic and dentist. Uh, we're the largest employer of Jock Mel Haiti. 160 people are employed uh, by this ministry linked to our church called Children's Hope. Wow. And then we've got, uh, I've been on starting uh, this amazing ministry in India. Uh, started in 2007, but we raised over a million dollars, put 34 churches on the ground as gospel lighthouses in the darkest corner of India, wow. northwest India.
it's called the Punjab province, but I've been there personally uh, seven times. My partner, Doug McKelvey, has been there 13 times, and we have literally put down on the ground 34 churches, and then they have multiplied. I mean, one church has formed seven others. Mm. So we have seen thousands and thousands of people come to Christ in Northwest India. Uh, the latest venture we've been trying to open up, I was, uh, I've had the blessing. I've got to travel in 60 countries and just preach the gospel all, all over. And I was in Cuba, India, and China last year. And, uh, and just all of these are open doors. Uh, Cuba is opening like a flower. Mm -hmm. We have one guy that's been to Cuba 40 times from our wow. church and takes groups. And I mean, we're just seeing a gospel explosion in Cuba. So we have a huge beachhead there. Um, China is what's uh, thrilling. I traveled all over China. I've been a trustee on the International Mission Board, and we met with uh, 70 of our missionaries there. And church planters and the vibrancy of these people, unbelievable. So I said, okay, what, what are some things you need? And uh, they gave us a whole list, and so we added it up and just sent them uh, within days after we got back $25,000 to fuel indigenous missions. Mm. Uh, like you can buy an electric motorcycle for $400. Well, we sent them 4000 was just earmarked for 10 church planters to get them a motorcycle. Wow. <laughs> so they went from walking or biking to yeah. motorized. Uh, but just simple things like that. I mean, putting on SD cards uh, in Mandarin the gospel, uh, the, actually the whole Bible, and then the Jesus film. I mean, it's, you can put it on your phone. Yeah. It's totally under the radar. Wow. But for a few thousand dollars, we made you know hundreds of those and then fueled a little coffee shop for a pastor to have a, a financial resource and to take care of his family, but also to create money to start his church. Wow. Uh, but So I'm a, I'm a gospel entrepreneur. I'm a kingdom entrepreneur. My father was a very wealthy, successful businessman. He was an entrepreneur. I'm a kingdom entrepreneur. That's cool. Yeah, so that's what <laughs> we do. We, we, we send people out. And, and then I didn't even mention and here in Montgomery, uh, we have one of the largest, um, it's called Christian Social Ministry, Christian Community Development, uh, one of the largest in the country. It's called the Caring Center. Uh, 20 years ago, we bought the old First Presbyterian Church, mm -hmm. and the pastor came to see me. He said, we're going out of business. We are dying. Uh, we have a $100,000 bill to fix the roof, a $100,000 air conditioning bill. We're down to... 40 people. My kids are the only people in the nursery, the only children. Uh, we're just about to sink. Uh, would you consider buying us? So we had a huge building program going on around the $20 million building program and said, not good timing, but you know, we'll pray about it and got our leaders together and said, let's buy it. Because we had this ministry to the community mm -hmm. called Community Ministries led by Jane Ferguson. And you know, it was in a small location, a little food pantry closet, but we thought we could do so much more. So we moved from a small building to 30,000 square feet, and it exploded. Mm. Well, last year, Robert, we helped 11,500 people out of that facility, wow. giving them food, clothing, addiction services, training to get their GED. We've helped 300 people find jobs. It's one thing to give you a fish, but man, l let me give you a fishing trawler. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's the kind of things that the Lord has put upon our heart to do, to be in the middle of this dark world, this fallen dark world, you can curse the darkness or you can light a candle mm -hmm. for Jesus. And that community ministry, man, it's not a candle, it's a bonfire. Wow. But we have uh, deeply impacted 
tens of thousands of lives in the name of Jesus. Wow. Use the term kingdom entrepreneur. You know, I, what I thought of as an entrepreneur is someone who says, what's a box? You know, we talk about being out of the box and it's like, I love that. I love the innovation there. Well, we've tried to be innovative. I mean, that's what the scripture yeah. calls us to be um, compelling, to be creative, to be consistent in our witness for Christ. And, and that's what we seek okay. to do. One of the things I've noticed about you, I've observed, you emanate Jesus. Uh, you have a, a humility, a, a servant's heart, compassion. It shows, it just shines, the, the genuineness. And I just want to ask you, how have you kept that passion so fervent through the years? I think it's a little bit of what Paul said. Um, I love Philippians 3. It starts in, in verse 10. Uh, Paul said, this, this was no doubt his goal. All I want is to know Christ and His resurrection power mm. and the fellowship of His suffering. And when you pull that apart, the verb is gnosko. All I want is to know or gnosko Christ. And that means an intimate personal knowledge. Mm -hmm. So that's the heart of who we are as Jesus people. If you have this intimate relationship with Jesus that compels you, propels you every day to want to be in His presence and to walk with Him, uh, that's your worldview. Yeah. So my worldview is a Jesus worldview. It looks like I'm wearing glasses. Actually, my glasses have invisibly printed upon them Jesus. I try to see you and my, myself and this world and the people I encounter, my circumstances, my problems through a Jesus lens. Okay, so I want to know Christ. And then what does he say next as he writes this prison epistle? He says, forgetting what, has li what lies behind and looking forward to what is ahead, I press on. Mm -hmm for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So I'm a press on person. You know, my goal is to just press on. You know, life is tough. Uh, we all have thorns. If you don't have thorns, you get a bunch of splinters. We are all imperfect people. I'm highly aware of my thorns and imperfection, which are very useful because they keep us humble mm -hmm. and they keep us Jesus dependent. Uh, so my goal is to, to be a Jesus guy. Uh, I follow Jesus, I help other people do it do the very same to follow Jesus uh, and I, I press on you know I'm just uh, kind of a plotter you know I'm, I'm not fancy but I am faithful yeah wow well it, it shows I mean again it's like it, it, when you talked about the teacher who was like a light bulb for Jesus I'm like well she you know passed the torch God used her to pass the torch on well to you because that, that describes you, Jay. Well, uh, Robert, that's uh, so I want to kind of lighten up for some quick answers here. Everybody has favorites. And uh, just to kind of popcorn fashion, just uh, what's your favorite place? My favorite place is mm -hmm. 3049 Highfield Drive, The Wolf Den. The Wolf Den. I like that. <laughs> Do you have a favorite book? The Bible. The Bible. Okay. Favorite film? The Alamo with John Wayne. I love that. <laughs> I'm a Texan boy. <laughs> I've been to the Alamo many a time. Yeah. My grandparents were in San Antonio, and it's a hallowed spot for a person with a little Texas in his heart. Yeah, I used to watch that every March 6th. <laughs> there you yeah. go. I used to. I don't uh, anymore. Follow the Alamo. Yeah. Do you have a favorite song? Song. 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 Oh, I love the hymns. You know, there's just something about that name. I, I, I love to sing about Jesus. But uh, I'm not a music guy. I'm just not blessed with rhythm. With rhythm, 
but uh, I, I really, I just, my way of worship is um, a lot of the hymns just kind of bubble up inside of me. And, and uh, so all, all of the hymns, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine, anything that has Jesus in it, I like. Uh, if somebody were to say, hey, I want to take you to your favorite restaurant, period, of all time, where would you go? You know, I'm not a foodie. Some people, they uh, live to eat, I eat to live. So, you know, I'm not really food driven. Okay. And Cracker uh, Barrel, maybe. Okay. <laughs> My wife and I traveling, when we are riding down the road to go somewhere, we'll see a Cracker Barrel. I mean, that's about the extent of my foodiness. I'm the guy that likes Taco Bell. Like <laughs> Give me a taco from Taco Bell. Then as far as, oh, I'm blessed I've eaten at the most fabulous restaurants, uh, but uh, I just, you know, I just eat to live. Yeah, I think I may know the answer to this next one. Favorite scripture? My favorite scripture is Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It kind of came into focus when my father died. My father was very instrumental in my life. Mm -hmm. Died on my birthday, September the 11th, 1996. And the Lord just uh, anchored me to Hebrews 12. Of course, the predicate is Hebrews 11, mm -hmm. the honor roll of faith. And then he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, looking at all of the people who had followed the Lord in faith, Abraham, Moses, David, the heroes. Uh, let us lay aside every sin that does so easily entangle us, and let us run with endurance that, that press on mm -hmm. the race that is set before us. And how do we do that? By fixing our eyes upon Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, and he set aside the shame, and he is now seated at the right hand of God. That's almost the um, table of contents for the authentic Christian life. Wow, wow, powerful scripture. Uh, favorite moment of ministry, following Jesus. That would be a hard one. I would, it would be hard for me to answer that. I mean, there's so many, yeah. but. Oh yeah, yeah. that would be, a, a, you know, it would be almost like a, uh, the buffet at Golden Corral. I mean, it's kind of like my, my, my life has been ministry since I was uh, 16. I started teaching RAs at the First Baptist Church of Georgetown and just realized the meat and marrow of life mm -hmm. is ministry in Jesus' name to his people and seeing lives transformed. But yeah, I baptized um, 2,500 to 3,000 people. And like the two wow. guys I baptized Sunday were just awesome. One guy had been an alcoholic and just really climbed out of that ditch and now he's got a fabulous job at Alpha. He's studying to be an actuarial, just really soaring, beautiful girlfriend and just the Lord is at work in his life. And just to see that uh, codified in the that, that baptistry, burying this mm -hmm. man in Christ and seeing him rise up just sparkling to new life. And then a young man who's been standing at the Salvation Army, one of our guys uh, has met him and uh, we have a lot of ministry to hurting people. and come to our caring center to get some uh, clothing and, and uh, just uh, scout witness to him and um, it was just so beautiful. Uh, uh, Ken Dice was his name and he, he said to this guy Daniel uh, Ketter, he said, Daniel, you need uh, to come to church with me. So this senior adult couple starts bringing this 31-year-old guy to church and mm. he just locks on and they take him uh, to their house for Sunday lunch and they, they have just like brought this guy into their home and their heart. And uh, Daniel said, I, I want to stand for Jesus. So I can't, I mean, I just have hundreds of stories like that. Yeah. 
so I'm addicted to seeing changed lives. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why I think ministry is just filet mignon on the menu of yeah. life. It's creme brulee because it's the heart of what God wants us to do, to help other people follow Jesus. And then you multiply it and that, you know, again, I've, I've traveled the world, I've, I've seen thousands of people come to Christ uh, in different settings. I know that Jesus works everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I've just had uh, the most phenomenal journey. It's, a, it's a been unbelievable. I don't know a more blessed person. Wow. One of the first times I met you, you gave me a little metal token. A cross, yeah. Hope heals. Oh, that the, one. The hope, that oh, I one. gave you a hope. You, you, you gave me a hope, and I've got it with me. It's, you are uh, special then, because yeah. I don't give those to many people. Yeah. Now, uh, there's a guy in our church that makes these little crosses, and he made the Hope Heals, mm -hmm. Tony Singleton. So I give these out. I, I've literally given out over 30,000 of these. Wow. But the Hope Heals ones are more special. More, yeah. <laughs> you, you, uh, and of course, it was you know the time of, of Jay and Catherine's story. I was here the night that they shared. Oh, here where are you, and gave testimony. Yeah. Yes, that's their uh, book. Yes, hope you. Uh, one of my favorite new musicians that I have, uh, and he's been around a while. I just I'm just getting around to, to discovering him as a, a Christian musician by the name of Andrew Peterson, and he he has a song called "Always Good." God, you're always good. And there's a line in the song. He says that you're always good. This heartache is moving me closer than joy ever could. Oh, wow. You know, he's going to be at our church here in a few months. I did not know that. Andrew Peterson is when? coming here in February. I'll be here. We have a giant, oh, wow. uh, It's we have a missions conference every couple of years, and it's, uh, we used to call it the Global Impact Celebration, mm -hmm. but it's going to be the Global Mission Celebration from GSC to GMC, and Andrew Peterson is going to be our oh, musical wow. guest. I want to be here. Uh, it'll be February about the 21st to the 24th, but uh, we'll have 35 missionaries here from all over the world. I want to be here. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Um, that line in that song, this heartache is moving me closer than joy ever could. Mm -hmm. And in light of walking alongside your son and his, uh, your daughter-in-law, uh, and all that they've been through, and, and I know that was, I'm sure, one of many moments of encountering uh, seasons of uh, uh, maybe a challenge. Uh, how would you react to that line of that song, this heartache is moving me closer than joy ever could? Oh, I think C.S. Lewis put it best. He said, in joy we hear God whisper. In suffering we hear God shouting. Mm. So our attention is fully devoted to the Lord in suffering. When we are dealing with heartache, when there's hardship, uh, I become very dependent upon the Lord. I become uh, at full attention when I am suffering. So suffering is, I think, part of this world and this fallen world so that God can get our attention, mm -hmm. our undivided attention. Uh, I think when everything is going well for us, we tend to misprioritize, we tend to stray, um, our heart divides. We think we've done it, we deserve it, um, but all of that melts away when we start to feel pain. Mm -hmm. um, you know what I think pain is? I, I do a lot of hunting and I, I've been out quail hunting with the dog and the dog has a shock collar on it. Mm -hmm. And when that dog starts to stray and run away from its master instead of standing close, the guy who is controlling the dog hits a button and it mm -hmm. sends a shock to that dog. And all of a sudden that dog, whoa man, <laughs> excuse me, I'm back at full attention, I'm right here beside you. 
And I think pain is God's shot caller. Mm. I've had plenty of opportunities to suffer, and we all do, and that's a shot caller that where God is calling us back to close proximity to Him. So um, you know, I, I try to use pain for spiritual gain. That's uh, a good analogy. Yeah. You've heard the term, I've heard the term bucket list, and uh, you know, I, I think in terms of our cup overflows constantly, but I know you're getting ready. Uh, my understanding is you've announced your retirement. At Correct. First Montgomery. Um, Next July. Uh, so it's a, about nine months away. Nine months away. <laughs> uh, what is on your, wh what remains? What, what do you hope, what are part of your dreams? Uh, what dreams do you have that remain undone for the kingdom of God? Oh, that's a great question, Robert. Um, my retirement from the church, being the pastor, is really tantamount to just changing seats in the orchestra. Mm -hmm. I mean, my calling is the same. I'm a kingdom entrepreneur. I'm here to build the kingdom of God. I, I'm here to help people follow Jesus. Uh, but I, I believe that it's time for the church to have a new voice. Um, and so, I mean, people always say erroneously, the Bible doesn't speak of retirement. Read Numbers 8. In Numbers chapter 8, uh, the Lord prescribed through Moses that the Le Levitical priest only served to age 50. So I'm 15 years behind. I'm 65. Uh, and, and you started at 20, and you served to 50, and then you retired. Mm. And the new guys came in. Why? Why is that? I think you always need a fresh voice. You need fresh legs. I see myself as a pastor in a, in a church like this that's been consistently serving the Lord for 190 years is just a relay racer. So I've run a 31-year leg. <laughs> I've been privileged to put a lot of hay in the kingdom barn. And so I just perceive that I am handing the baton off to the next runner. Uh, uh, the way I see it is this is my place, my people, my purpose. We love Montgomery. Mm -hmm. uh, we will stay here in Montgomery. We'll stay in the church. Uh, Dale Huff, the guy who I served with as a member of this church. Uh, when J.R. White retired in 1979, he stayed aboard with Dale Huff, who became the pastor mm -hmm. then. So it's a handoff. Okay. Uh, but I see myself as a kingdom entrepreneur. I really don't have a bucket list. I'm just going to do more. My, my mantra has been more. Uh, I want to do more of these basic things. I want to do um, more and deeper prayer. I think that is an untapped resource. We have a large prayer ministry, but it needs mm -hmm. to go uh, to a, another level. So I want to help propel prayer. Uh, evangelism, the Lord has given me a heart for evangelism, and I have the ability to relate to all kind of people, but uh, the, the greatest thing I can do is see people come to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Everything in this world will pass. What I do for Christ will last. So I see myself literally doing a lot of personal evangelism and seeing a bunch of people come to the Lord Jesus. I mean, I'm a guy that hands out tracts and crosses and gives witness, and, and I invite people to follow Jesus. And I've seen, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of people come mm -hmm. to Christ. We had a fall festival here yesterday, and we had 22 decisions for the Lord yesterday. Awesome. So we are very evangelistically oriented, uh, but we work with, for instance, the Lanier football and basketball team for the last four years. Mm -hmm. We have seen dozens of those young folks come to Christ. So we want to do, uh, the, I, I plan to do a lot of evangelism and then mentoring. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm at the stage where I've been in the ministry since I was 16, uh, so I do know a lot about ministry, therefore I'm obligated to pass on, things like that. 
we actually have 29 satellite churches linked to our church mm. through the North American Mission Board and, and one through the International Mission Board, one in London. The guy that grew up in our church now is pastoring in London, uh, Thomas West. So we've got churches from London, Anchorage, Alaska, three in Boston, one in Canada, one in Miami, one in Cincinnati, one in, in Salt Lake City, Utah. So uh, we do conference calls with these guys and we support them. And uh, so I can see myself kind of being a Barnabas to mm -hmm. these young church planters and, and go in and try to maybe spend a week or two with them and say, gosh, let me be a consultant for you, let me help you. So I see a lot of mentoring, discipling going on. I have a real heart to work with young people. Uh, we have a tutoring program where we've tutored over 2,000 kids here. Uh, it's better to build a boy than mend a man. Wow. It's better to build That's a good. boy than mend a man. And, and so we live in a fatherless society. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many kids that don't have a father. And so that's what our tutoring program has done. Uh, and in Montgomery particularly, there's an enormous problem with fatherlessness. I think it's the core problem. Uh, so, you know, we do a, a lot of surrogate fathering. Uh, we have a ministry in Chisholm, one of the poorest neighborhoods mm -hmm. in Montgomery. We've been there 17 years. We are not fancy, but we're faithful. Yeah. And we have a gym there. We have an after-school program. We have this fabulous master's garden where we have 90 people that have garden plots in Chisholm that come to raise good food and, and yet be raised up together as a community in Christ. Wow. We have a Mistec church over there. I mean, we just got That's some cool. cool stuff going. So I'm looking forward to not just managing ministries, but getting to minister. That's, that's awesome. So my list can go on and on. Uh, you don't have enough time to do uh, all this. I think well, I've listed 26 things that well, I'm going to target. <laughs> you know, I, I, and I, I'll have to confess, I am one of those ones who have erroneously stated retirement's not in the Bible. So you have taught me. Read numbers eight. <laughs> yeah, I, I plan to. Uh, and my mentality is one of a Caleb. You know, it's like, hey, bring the mountains. Oh, yeah. and, it's, and, and it sounds like you oh, have yeah. that hard Those are well. two different things. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, he, he did not vary from the task. He, what what Caleb, what I'm trying to say is I'm shifting seats in the orchestra, you know, instead of being the orchestra leader, just, you know, give me a tuba. Yeah. I just recently read uh, John Eldridge's book, uh, Beautiful Outlaw. It's on Jesus, about Jesus. And he raises a question, and I thought, well, that's a wonderful question. I'm going to ask it of you. What are you looking forward to with Jesus? Well, the ultimate is to be in His unbroken presence for eternity, and that's it. I love Revelation 21. I've preached countless times from Revelation 21. It's the picture of being with Jesus as His bride. Mm -hmm. And just to think, uh, to live in His presence where you don't even need the sun because He is your light, and all things are new. Uh, to know that in His presence there is perfect peace, joy, serenity, and security because um, it's off limits to all the hurtful bad things. Yeah. Uh, so I think every true Christ follower's ultimate goal should be, like it says in the end of Revelation, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, mm -hmm. we want to be in Your presence. Uh, you're going to wipe away every tear. Every question mark will become an exclamation point of understanding uh, so that, that's it. It's all about Jesus. You know, we walk with Jesus uh, through this world of hurt and sorrow, and then we go through the portal of death. And like Stephen, wouldn't it be something, Robert, 
to imagine Jesus standing for you when you come into mm -hmm. the halls of heaven because you've spent a lifetime standing for him. Wow. What if he gives you a standing ovation because you have been faithful? You have not wavered. You have been like those Hebrews 11 heroes of the faith. And no matter what came your way, you stood up because your faith was built upon the solid rock of an unflinching devotion to Jesus. And when the rain fell and the storms hit, you stood firm. Mm. And Jesus is watching you, his eyes on you. Mm. And, and when you walk through the portal of death and into his presence, can't you just imagine in your sanctified imagination, Jesus standing and saying, welcome home, Robert, welcome home, Jimmy. Mm. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter now into the joy of your master. That those are just compelling, motivating pictures uh, that the Lord Jesus has given us. And the book of Acts in chapter 7 where Stephen got to see the veil between heaven and earth parted and he saw Jesus and and Jesus stood. But uh, read Revelation 21, hear John 14 and Jesus saying, I've prepared a place for you so that you can spend forever with me. Uh, that fires my engine. Wow. I say this often and I mean it. Any good you ever see in me is, is Jesus. Anything else is Robert. And, and I, I, I say that to say this to you. I'm in awe of the Jesus I see in you, Jay. And I know it's him. And I'm grateful. Thank you for this time. Yeah, thank Thanks you. for coming to the table. And, uh, it's been delicious. Uh, yes, it has been. Rich. Uh, how did Jesus say it when the disciples returned? Who gave him something to eat? And I have... I have Food you know not of. Feed food you know not of. So thank you for sharing food, uh, spiritual food. Grateful for you. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoyed it. Those of you who are listening in, you know that every Monday morning you hear or read the words, Party of Redemption, your table is now available. And Jay, would you sign us off with those words, Party of Redemption, your table is now available? Party of Redemption, your table is now available. And let me pray for whoever may be listening. I think yes, this is sir. very important. Uh, Father, in the same way we would pray for a meal, recognizing that the bounty in front of us has come from your gracious hand. I just thank you for whoever is listening. Uh, we are all people who need your love, your grace, your wisdom, your strength. We are all broken. We all got thorns and splinters. And Father, I just pray for these friends. I pray for Robert. Uh, I, I pray that there would be an infusion of your encouragement and energy uh, that comes by way of this simple message. And I pray, Lord, that we would be faithful. We may not be fancy, but we can be faithful and follow you every day, all the way, and serve you with our best. It's in Jesus' name we ask for your help. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Jay. God bless you. God bless you.